Okay, so today we got Ahmed Yakub. Uh, so big up yourself for coming down all the way from Birmingham, man. You got this set up like real quick as well, like within a week. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. I actually, I actually appreciate people when they um, acknowledge what I'm doing, you know, for the community in my field. Uh, so uh, that's why when people invite me on, I tend to go hundred percent and uh, show show my presence. Shows appreciation, doesn't it? Hundred percent. Now let me ask you a question about your upbringing. Like, how is it? Was you're obviously from Birmingham, mm-hmm. and so how is how is it growing up in Birmingham? What part of Birmingham did you grow up in, and how is it growing up? I grew up in a um, in North. I think it's North. Comes under North Birmingham. It's an area called Aston. It's um, I don't know if you heard about it. It's just, I like it. It's it's a good area because you know. When you go out there, you see people that you know from what you went nursery with, what you went school with, all of that stuff, and it's, it's quite close knit community. So it's um, I like the area. It's not a good area uh, mm. that well. It's not a good area that I would like to bring up my children in. Put it that way. Mm. But uh, it did what it did for me was. It showed me both sides of life. What uh, I could have gone down, what road I could have took, and what road I did take. So I can compare it and tell my kids now that I could have been like these people that you see in prison now. I could have mm-hmm. seen be like these people who uh, were not here anymore. Those people who've lost loved ones over little postcode wars and stuff like that so uh, it's good mm. i like where i come up where, where i was born where i was um brought up in 100 but com- one thing i would i would say is that like growing up in certain environments it, for example the area you grew up in it does give you character development so how do you instill that in your children See, mm. character development uh, the thing is there's two type of people in this world in terms of um, generally, uh, I'll talk about the education. There's people out there that have studied uh, in uh, prestigious universities like uh, Oxford University, Cambridge University. Those people, no disrespect to them, but they can't live a day in my life or in lives of people who are being brought up on the street. I'm street taught. Mm-mm, 100%. Which is uh, different from others. I've seen everything firsthand. Most of these people in my profession, in uh, my. Uh, f- um, Ali. What are you doing? Sorry. Sorry, I'll blur his face up. Go. There. Go back there where he's sitting. You disturb me now, man. I'm recording a video. Go there. Sorry. No problem. So right. look, I was talking about something and you made me miss my thing forget what I was talking about um, so I was coming these people uh, in similar sorts uh, of profession to mine they can't live a day in my life they've not been brought up around violence they've not been brought up around uh, drugs they've not been brought up uh, around gangs and stuff like that so I've got mates within those sort of uh, areas that I still talk to uh, and I grew up with these kind of people so I've seen it first hand mm. that's my advantage over most people in my profession I would say Mm-mm. 100% 100% so what was, 
what was the route for you to become a lawyer and why, why did you choose to be a, a lawyer as well? Uh, well? I chose to be a lawyer because one of my mates, when we was only about 16 years old, uh, he was involved in a serious offence, which he could have easily got away from because he didn't do everything what the prosecution was saying he did. So he ended up receiving a nine-year custodial sentence. And that's what sort of, that was my drive at that time to um, uh, get into law. Mm. No, I, I heard, I heard 100%. Just me growing up, me growing up, a lot of people, let's say from the ages of 13 to 18, a lot of people growing up who I grew up with said they wanted to be lawyers and whatnot. But now they're doing things that are completely different, which is which is fine. But why do you think a lot of people don't follow that? Follow that? I think they want to, but let me tell you why they can't do it. Because it takes a lot of dedication. Motivation is one thing, but what gets you out of bed every day is dedication, and uh, doing the same thing day in day out. And to be fair. Uh, people who have got law degrees. I know some people who are not doing what they was meant to do or what they aim to do at one point, whereas get a law degree, start working as a lawyer, open your own law firm, and be successful in the law field, in the legal field. They're not doing it because they couldn't keep up with the hunger. Because at the start, it's very difficult, and you have to volunteer. you got to do free work for people. Uh, these people who leave law school nowadays and even my time they wanted to be on a good salary straight away just be comfortable see being comfortable is a big disadvantage in life never get comfortable even what well, i would say even if you are at a certain point now if i start getting comfortable with that, what i've got i'll start losing the losing the dedication i won't do things what i do on a daily basis i'll it'll, i'll just fall off if you mm. get comfortable, so being comfortable is a big killer of dreams, I would say. Mm, 100%, 100%, 100%. So what was your, why did you decide to start on TikTok and... Do, on social mm, media? Yeah. It was during COVID, so about a year and a half, two years ago. Mm. Uh, we wasn't going to work because of the lockdown. We wasn't mm. doing much, so I'd seen a lot of new people with new ideas just coming on social media and... Uh, I thought let's let's make a video. I made one video. It sort of blew up, and I just took it from there. To be fair, I had a big network even before social media. Mm. I've got a big network now. Um, uh, what I say to people is, your network is your net worth. So associate yourself with people who you aspire to be like, people who aspire to be like you, people who are generally. Uh, there for you and they will help you I'm not just saying that you need to take benefit from every single person you meet but take something out of them some people may be telling something bad to you but there may be 1% of goodness in that you take that from them mm. so your network is your net worth so if you've got a good network you will make money and you'll be successful in any field that you are in 100% one quick side note I, I, thought, I, I thought of recently I think one thing that would be good for you is to do like breakdowns of like certain cases of like maybe big artists. I think that just a side note, but I think that would be very good. I do want to do that. To be fair, I had someone in my office that day uh, who uh, produces documentaries, and uh, they brought the idea out to me. See, there's one case that springs out 
to me all the time. Um, uh, it was a case of a conspiracy to commit murder, and uh, there was nine people on the case, um, and there was one acquittal, and that acquittal, as meaning not guilty, that acquittal was just my client. Oh, just my client, and. I worked very hard on that case. It's probably the hardest case that I've worked on in terms of the others I put in. Uh, just quickly, I'll give you a, a little insight into it. So this guy gets charged. He first gets arrested. Then he gets charged. Mm. So he gets arrested and he gets released. Then he gets arrested again. And uh, they charge him for this conspiracy to murder. So what... The conspiracy itself was formed by people uh, within prison. So they organized to basically kill somebody. And my guy was the guy on the outside, the main guy on the outside who was supplying the weapons, who was supplying, well, allegedly mm. supplying the weapons, allegedly supplying the car. Well, he was seen in the car, stolen car, that was allegedly going to be used for the shooting, he was seen doing a recce of the premises that was going to be shot. So he was seen doing all of that. But to be fair, he had a good explanation and innocent explanations for whatever the prosecution gave to us. So in that case, what happened was, just say now, we're, just say today is Friday or Thursday. The trial is due to start on Monday. I've been asking for disclosure for the CPS to provide me with other clients' mobile telephone download. And it's something that I was pursuing quite a lot. Sometimes you have this gut feeling that something may help you. Sometimes you have a gut feeling, even when you meet somebody, that this person is a negative person. And sometimes you have the gut feeling that this person may be a good person. I had a gut feeling that, that this mobile phone will help us. So what the prosecution did in that case, they played it a bit clever. What they did was they gave me that download with 40,000 pages on there on Friday. So what they thought is this guy's going to put in his office, go to sleep and wake up Monday without looking at it and come to court. I didn't do that. That Friday, I stayed in the office till 1.30 a.m. And by the time I finished from the office on that Friday, I had worked out how we are going to win this trial because I found something on the client's mobile phone. I'm talking to 2008, 17 this is. So I found something on the mobile phone and it was simple. The mobile phone, what I found was WhatsApp chats, WhatsApp chats between him in a group. There's a WhatsApp group and that's called the football group. He was a keen football player, my client. He still is. And in that, in that group was chats that he was actually meant to be at a football game playing football on the time that the prosecution was saying that he is going, he was going to carry out this murder or conspiracy to murder. The pitch was waterlogged. The mm -hmm. pitch was waterlogged and that's why he didn't go to the football game oh. and there was evidence on there. So there's no killer mind frame. There's no mind frame of going to shoot, going to shoot someone's house going to shoot a person there's no mind frame there so he was there with the co-conspirators by chance and not choice okay okay that's yeah that's good that's good so i'm guessing working with clients it, it takes a lot of that dedication to make sure you can help your clients get fairer sentences and more and even go free 
Of and course, be it, it takes mm. a lot of time, like I just mentioned earlier, and a lot of dedication, and you have to have an eye for detail. Some people will read papers, prosecution papers, but they won't pick out the fruity bits, what they need to pick out to actually help the client. So over the years, I've become very good. I know I'm uh, basically um, blowing my own trumpet here, but I've, gone, <laughs> I've become very good at reading, skim reading, and also uh, finding the finer details and uh, picking out the holes in the prosecution case. Mm-mm. And uh, yeah, that that's that's the key to it, I think. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. So. You being on TikTok, as you mentioned earlier, do you think that's helped your brand in any way? Yes, of course it has. Social media is a very powerful tool. And Donald Trump, uh, when he was campaigning for his election, he says that social media made me win my election. So social media is very powerful. Everybody's on it these days. So once I made my first video, like I said, in the uh, middle of COVID, in the lockdown period, uh, I got probably twice um, twice as much interaction to what I'm getting, what I used to get before that. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. So that phrase, there's a defence for every, there's a, a defence for every offence. How did you come up with that? I just came up with it in a, in, I was making a video and I said it uh, whilst making a video um, and I just said it, defence for every offence and I said, that sounds catchy, man. And I just, it just stuck to me yeah, um, since then. No, hundred percent. So, like, so you doing what you do? Do you ever require a client to tell you the the truth, or like, how does it work? I'm like, oh. mm. Okay, how it would work is like I would uh, speak to the client. I would read the papers, and I will tell the client what I think of his case. Mm. What I think of his case, we will put, just say scenarios. If this happens, then this could happen. Hypothetically, the general rule is if a client tells me uh, that he's guilty of an offence, then I can't continue to represent him. I can't, I can't continue. Sorry, that's wrong. I can continue to represent him, but he cannot put forward a defence at court. Don't forget the prosecution are the ones bringing the case. The prosecutions are the ones who need to prove the case against the client. Hmm. So if somebody admits the offense to me and says, Mr. Yacoub, I am guilty, but I still want to have a trial. He can still have a trial, but he can't put forward a defense for the prosecution to prove it. So the prosecution can still have a trial. We can still have a trial, but it's up to the prosecution to prove it. So how how that all work in a sense? Like, so as you said, the prosecution has to prove it. But how, like, from how would you do that? Are you meant to question their evidence that they bring forward? Uh, well, sometimes it's uh, technical stuff. Let me give you some legal technical stuff first. So it's the prosecution have to provide us with sufficient disclosure for us to take instructions. Disclosure is the evidence. Sometimes the prosecution do hold back. They hold back with disclosure. And uh, just say, like I mentioned earlier, about a mobile phone. So we would ask for that. And sometimes it's arduous and it's hard work 
for the prosecution to go through that much documents to go and download the the phone and i've had the prosecution drop cases on me on the last minutes and discontinue the cases at the last minute because they couldn't provide me with certain disclosure even though the evidence at the time the client would have thought is overwhelming even i would have thought is overwhelming but because the prosecution haven't done the job properly clients walked um so have you ever had to decline a client or have you ever had to fire a client mid trial yes uh, now i it's mainly an issue of attitude and and the attitude is this uh, basically when clients come to me like i get clients coming to me from all over the uk and the first thing i tell them is their families can't be involved uh too much they can't get too involved in the case because there's a lot of people out there uh, law students are the worst so if somebody's got a case and they've got a law student in their family then that law student will be advising them all sorts and they're coming back to me with all sorts of ideas mm-hmm. and I tell them look you've come to me I'm the expert here if you was that clever or that wise you wouldn't get yourself into this much trouble or you wouldn't get yourself into this dilemma so with me it's mainly the issue of attitude when somebody thinks they're too clever for their own good and they don't let me do my job properly and it's quite put, put, putting off for me uh, it's a big put off so rather than uh, falling out with the client i would make it known as soon as i can and i'll tell them look you might as well go and get another lawyer and uh, go seek some alternative representation because uh, we can't work together because there has to be a working relationship there has to be some sort of chemistry there between mm. connection there between the client and the lawyer so we can have a good working relationship because some cases will last almost a year so last over 2 years so if there's no connection between the lawyer and the client between myself and my client there's no point even taking the case and there has to be some sort of connection i don't mean that all my clients are my friends but we have to be singing from the same hymn sheet mm. or you know we have to be on the same wavelength at the end of the day the prosecution is the opposition and last thing you want is to fall out with the lawyer mm-hmm, 100% 100% So I've and I've always had this this is just a wild thought I had has there ever been like someone who's came in and maybe they like the case they have is just like crazy and and it's just a thing and maybe they've even admitted their guilt and you just said you know I just can't do it yes uh, I've had a few cases sexual related cases uh where Uh, recently not long ago about a year or two ago about uh, two years ago uh, some guy did come and he was like uh, you know he was um doing dirty things with kids mm. oh. so i had to uh, to tell him to go and i could tell the evidence is <laughs> so overwhelming and i could tell mm-hmm. the way he was speaking to me uh, i could tell this guy's done it and i just I, consciously my conscience would not allow me to do that and go and have a trial on his behalf even if he was giving me instructions innocent so the evidence could say anything but if you're telling me so not you if a client's telling me that look the prosecution are lying here i didn't do it the prosecution have made a mistake there no it wasn't like this it was like this all of that stuff even if that guy turned around and told me all of that stuff i still wouldn't be able to do it because there are some cases that the evidence is overwhelming But if the client saying look I'm sure the prosecution have made a mistake here my job is to carry on and fight for him mm-hmm. which I do do in a lot of cases 
But sometimes my conscience don't allow me to do certain things. No, I hear you 100%, 100%. I remember watching one of your TikToks ages ago and you're talking about how you had a client who must have... He, this, yeah, he, he basically lied and he said that... Yes. Yeah, that he he doesn't own a mobile phone. So do you recommend people to always tell, be up front with the lawyer? You have to be up front with me. Don't be up front to the uh, limit that you... Um, you start saying yes, yeah, stabbed him fifty times, stabbed him hundred times, and all of that stuff. Uh, by the way, even if you stab someone, doesn't mean you're guilty of murder. It may have been an accident. It could be anything, but that's different. <laughs> but yeah, this client was actually um, so he was a murder, and I went to the police station for this guy. Uh, I remember I was really tired in the police station because it was Ramadan. And so they've the police officers, how a police station works is the police come to me first and give me what's called disclosure. That's the evidence uh, against my client. And that's what uh, they will ask him questions regarding. So the police give, give me disclosure now. And there was a murder. It was a local murder um, to where I am. Everyone had heard about it. It was in the papers. Most of that's in the papers the people end up finding their way to me somehow. And so they, the police says to me, this guy's died. I knew it was for that guy anyway, because when I got the phone call, they told me who the victim was. So this is the case. This guy's died. We are attributing this number to your client. And I asked the police as well. I go, how are you attributing this number to my client? They go, well, touch on that later on because they don't need to give full disclosure mm. so i went had a consultation with my client so after disclosure comes consultation so i was in consultation with my client and i says to him you okay he goes yes i'm all right i don't know why i'm here i go well there must be something my initial thoughts are this what i say to a lot of clients listen there's no smoke without fire there must be something. The prosecution may have made some mistakes, but there has to be something. There has to be something for you to be picked up for murder. They won't just pick someone up for murder for no reason. Mm. And he goes, no, I don't know why I'm here. I go, okay, whose number is this? He goes, I don't have a phone. <laughs> I go, who does not have a phone <laughs> in 2020, 2021 that was? Who does not have a phone in 2021? He goes, me. The police know this. I go, how do the police know this? He goes, because I got attacked a couple of weeks ago and my phone got robbed. I go, that's a couple of weeks ago, so you have not bought a phone since then? He goes, no, I've not bought a phone. I go, okay, no problem. I go, are you sure? Because if you're sure, we're both going to go home today. I'm going to go home anyway, but I may even take you with me and drop you off home on the way because it's getting late. He goes, yes, definitely. I go, no problem. So now we've gone into the interview. So I've, I've, because of his instructions now, I've wrote a statement based on his instructions. I've wrote a prepared statement stating we don't own a mobile phone. This number, we don't know whose is it. Anyway, we've gone into the police, uh, police interview now. And in the interview, police officer goes, okay, this phone number. You've said clearly in your statement, you don't own a phone. And we have reports that your phone was stolen. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clients like, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. But this number has called 
all the guys that we are saying are involved in this conspiracy this number has not called two people and do you know why we think that is because those those two people live in the same house as you mm. not just that this number was used for car insurance for a car that's registered to you that's insured oh. to you straight away now we've got something now the the police got the upper hand straight away now because now once the case goes to court he hasn't been to court yet he went to court and then something happened uh, the court never had enough time so there's trials coming up i think the trials happening now i've not really kept uh, tabs on it because it's not my case anymore so straight away the police have got the upper hand so when they're going to go to court in front of the jury they're going to say this guy has already lied to us in the interview so what makes you think he's not lying to the courts and the jury now he's already lied once um so yeah i had a bit of a falling out with the client and i said what do you lie for guess why his his uh, reaction was or his response was to me i smoke cannabis <laughs> some people that? smoke too much though i'll be real <laughs> that's why he said to me i go i go what's that got to do with you lying to me and he goes oh my head's all over the place i forgot oh you forgot you had a phone <laughs> And then I shook his hand and go, you're going to need to forget me as your lawyer then. <laughs> and then I walked off. Fair enough, man. Fair. I lost big money, but it is what it is, man. <laughs> I like to do things properly, you know. Uh, and, and and I think people, when they when they start lying to me, I think they're trying to insult my intelligence. There's mm. something black and white. You can't be lying to me because you're insulting my intelligence there and I don't like people insulting my intelligence. 100%. Mm-hmm. So now let's go on to the next question. What's the... Di- what's the difference in quality between a duty solicitor and a private lawyer like yourself the difference is quality is it depends now because a, a duty solicitors it's like a it's like a regime it's called a duty solicitor rota so every now and again a solicitor's firm will be duty solicitors so those people will also be able to do private work as well Now difference I would say in some some lawyers they just don't care and mm. uh, I'll be honest with you I've 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 had clients I've been in a position where the clients have come to me and they've said my solicitor said I should plead guilty and I says why I don't uh, feel that there's sufficient evidence uh, to for you to plead guilty I actually think we've got a chance at trial to based on your instructions to get an acquittal mm-hmm. so and then i had someone uh not long ago actually who got sentenced got a very good sentence the cps are appealing it now um and he was told he's going to receive a 25 year custodial Ooh. sentence from his previous lawyers and he came to me from west london he drove down to birmingham and i said him and i says to him i go look if you receive a 25 year old uh, sorry 25 year custodial sentence i will quit my job as a lawyer 
because that's outrageous because why is that guy saying info then i go i don't know i mean so, so i think some people use the tactic tactic of scaring their clients so they scare their clients um so the clients become so reliant upon them and they won't go away or they won't lose that client because the client will not know any better and uh, i don't know what it is to be fair when i i fight to win i my cases i try to either get my client say the lowest possible sentence or an acquittal my client in that case got four and a half years wow. after he was told he's going to get 25 years because mm. so i've always thought that because obviously i've always thought that with a duty solicitor when it when it comes to a law firm they'll usually send you a junior lawyer He's less experienced, so I've always thought that that's usually the case. So is that not the case? That could be the case. See, at the police station, when people are duty solicitors, they do send out agents mainly who are not that experienced. Some people do send out uh, real, actual solicitors, but mainly it's agent work because it's like a lot of people treat their law firms or law businesses as a actual business, as a factory really and truly uh, we are in the service industry and we are meant to provide a good service to people uh, to clients and that service uh, shouldn't be compromised by the volume of work that's why i have i have ample staff to take on as much cases as possible because even if i can't deal with them personally i have qualified staff who can't deal with my work you know uh, properly and we don't compromise on service hundred percent, hundred percent. So, a couple months ago, I done an interview with Tanks. Shout out Tanks, and it, I'm not sure if you know about him, but he was in that BBC documentary, The Panorama, about fraud. When did it come out? The BBC documentary. A year or two ago. I think I, I remember the documentary, but I, but I don't know the ins and outs. I, without mentioning any names, there was going to feature somebody else on that panorama documentary if i'm right or a different one but it was panorama and i actually uh, went against the bbc for that one and they didn't end up featuring my client oh, wow. he's a high profile person and mm -hmm. uh, they have they never featured him but but with him he was saying that like when, when it came to i asked them how much should you save set aside for rainy day if you're d doing whatever you're doing allegedly and he said at least twenty twenty thousand pounds. Do you think that's a correct figure? For how how much should how much should someone save for a good for, legal for, team. for a good legal team? Yes, it all depends. It all depends on what case they are facing. If uh, see the, I think people get duty solicitors mixed up with legal aid. The thing is, everyone who's charged with a serious offence can get the benefit of legal aid so if for example you come to me now charged with murder i won't charge you a single penny because the government will pay me and it's a good payout for murder cases and for big cases you do get paid out nicely but on the other hand some people own properties some people own a sufficient amount of money that they will not be eligible for legal aid so based on that now i would say uh 20,000 pounds is not enough no 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 enough oh, no enough. Uh, more like 40 50 i would say wow 
See, your freedom is priceless. <laughs> no, I hear you 100%. 100%. Freedom is priceless. And there's a lot of people that uh, have come to me in the past. Sorry, no problem. There's a lot of people who have come to me in the past and they've said, we've got no money to pay you. And they wasn't eligible for legal aid or they didn't want legal aid because legal aid comes with what's called a contribution. And if you have equity in a property over £40,000, then you're going to end up paying anyway. So you'd rather just pay in the first place. They come to me and they said, um, so we can't afford to pay you, blah, 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 and stuff like that. And they're looking at serious figures in prison 12, 13 years. It's a conspiracy to supply case, class A. And I've said to them, I go, you've drove today, parked outside, I can see in the camera, is an RS6, which is worth probably £70,000. I'm into my cars, I know my cars. Uh, I'm sure that's worth more than, not worth more than your freedom. True. That can get rid of. And then one of them was wearing a nice watch, is an AP. And the system, that's an AP, mate. That's probably worth 35, 40 grand. That won't be no good to you in prison. So why can't you get rid of that and pay me? No, that's true. So people need to get their priorities right when coming to hiring a good legal team. Mm -hmm. You need to get the priorities right. Otherwise, they're going to try to save a couple of thousand pounds but end up doing four or five years extra in prison, which they could have made hundreds of thousands of pounds if they didn't go to prison. How, how does the whole thing with legal aid work, actually? How does it work? Legal aid works like this. So just say now, if you was arrested and you call my firm to a police station, what's the police station around here? Uh, Town. Kennishtown Police Station. The, uh, the, that's the closest one. Town. Yeah, Kennishtown. Kennishtown. Okay, so if you was at Kenishtan Police Station, for example, and you call out my firm, Morris Andrews Solicitors, um, you will not be charged anything for the police station. It's free and independent legal advice. So the government will pay us for the police station. Mm, okay. okay. A lot of people don't know this. Okay. Sign, sign for the people to so hear. The government mm. will pay us to come to the police station for you. Then if you were charged for that offence to go to court, we will again get paid from the government. Uh, if you're under 18, it's totally free. Everything is totally free. No contribution, no nothing. So and then I'll come on to our waiting letter. So if you go to the magistrate's court, again, we get paid for that from the government. But just say if the case remains in the magistrate's court, and then I, will, I take it as a geographic point of view, just say now, if your case remains in the magistrate's court, and... Um, I have to travel from Birmingham to represent you for a magistrate's court hearing or a magistrate's court trial where the offence is not going to be that serious. I won't do it on legal aid because it will be too much travelling, too much effort, too much time, and legal aid don't pay well for magistrate court cases. Now, if, if you're charged with a serious offence, for example, a conspiracy to commit fraud, conspiracy to uh, supply cannabis or Class A now, if that goes to the Crown Court, again, you will be eligible for legal aid. If you're under 18, you will get legal aid without any contribution. But if you are, a, just say, over 18 and you're working and you have equity in a property, then you have to 
make what's called a contribution. The contribution is not to us because we get paid in full amount from the, what's called the legal aid agency. The contribution mm. will be will have to be made to the legal aid agency, and it probably will be a monthly contribution. Okay. And in the end, once your case concludes, if you get found not guilty, you will most likely get that contribution back. Wow, nice. If you get found guilty, then they probably add some more contribution onto that. Mm. So um, again, you have to choose wisely. Hundred percent. So, for someone who may be having a court case, what should they do to find the best lawyer possible? And also, when you do, for example, when you do get arrested, how how will you go about finding that specific number of a lawyer? You mean? Well, you don't need to find the number. Just say if when my clients are arrested, we I represent people from all over the country. When they're arrested, all they have to say is, "We want Marisa Andrews solicitors to represent you." Or we want Ahmed Yacoub to represent you, uh, me, and um, then the police will, they will know who I am anyway, and they will know about my firm anyway, Maurice Andrews Solicitors. A lot of people do say that to me, it's a good question, because a lot of people say they took my phone off me, I couldn't phone you. You don't need to phone me, or you don't need to phone anyone for that matter, it's simply, we just say to the police, we want Maurice Andrews solicitors to represent you. They will put the call through a call center, and I will get the call on my mobile. Hundred okay, that's yeah, that's that's good to know. There's some some gems for people. Yeah. Um. So, have you, do you ever recommend your clients if they do get arrested? Do you recommend for them to cooperate with police ever? Yeah. Uh, to an extent, yes, I would. I would always say cooperate with the police because police are not other enemies. To be fair, um, if your house gets burgled or you get robbed in the street, the first person you're gonna call is the police. Unless you're from South London, then you're gonna phone your friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the first person you're going to phone, or for the first people you're going to phone for help, is going to be the police. If my house gets burgled, I'll pick up the phone and phone the police. So. Be nice to them. They're doing a job. And there's a procedure to follow. So if the police come and say to you, you're under arrest, you're under caution now. So whatever you say to the police, they can write it down in a notebook and that can be used against you. And regardless of what you say to them, I'm innocent, I've not done anything. It was him, it was here. Once they've arrested you, they're going to take you to the station regardless of your attitude. Mm. And they're going to interview you. They're going to interview you. And then you're going to go. You're going to get questioned, and they they will decide what's going to happen after that. But if you are not cooperative with the police, if you're rude to them and stuff, your journey or your time at the police station is not going to be pleasant because they know how to be rude as well. Trust me, I've seen people mm. get good beats of the police. Any tricks that the police or maybe a barrister or the prosecution may use to maybe catch people and. See, the prosecution's job is to convict people. That's what the prosecution do. I've had people who have come to me who are ex-employees of the CPS, the Crime Prosecution Service, and they've told me, I've asked them, why have you left the CPS? And one person said to me that I was working on a murder case and... There was a CC, there was CCTV, there was footage that was in the possession of the CPS and the police. 
um, which would have deemed that defendant innocent, which mm-hmm. would have showed that the defendant's alibi is not false, which would have showed the defendant was in a different place when the murder was committed. Wow. And I said, yeah, so they had CCTV. So then what happened? She said, my supervisor got the disc and put in a shredder right in front of me. And that person, unfortunately, is doing 25 years in prison now. It's the truth. It happens. For something they they didn't even do. Something they didn't do. They may have been involved somehow, Mm. but they didn't commit the murder. The defense was accurate. Mm-hmm. So, that is there any like things for people the people should like look out for that maybe the police might might do, maybe that their barrister might do. See, the police uh, have got a way of taking information out of you. So sometimes the police will be you see in movies a good cop, bad cop, and the police have a way of taking information out of you, and sometimes they will be overly nice to you. They will be overly nice to you. Oh, we understand you haven't done a thing. Don't worry about it. Talk to us. You know, we probably, we know others are involved. We know you're probably forced to do uh, forced to do this. Don't worry about it. We'll sort it out. You're going to go home now. Don't trust them too much. 100%, 100%. And another one. Do you think, would you ever recommend for someone to represent themselves? No way. Never. <laughs> Never. I've, I've, I think I've done a short video on this before where I said that uh, having, because the police use this as well. I've had people say this to me as well. If you're saying you're not guilty, why do you need a solicitor for? They've said this to people that I've, I've dealt with in the past. Uh, having a solicitor at the police station is not a presumption of guilt, far from it. I've represented people, uh, professionals, dentists, doctors, other lawyers that have not uh, been represented at the police station or poorly represented at the police station. And then they find themselves having now a crown court trial, which means that they could lose everything, their jobs, their money, uh, their liberty, they could go to prison. So, yes, it's recommend. I'm not just blowing my own trumpet and saying uh, that I will use me if you get arrested. But I'm saying have legal representation. It's very important. There are You may be a professional in another field, in a different field, but there's people in, in different fields that are experts. So make full advantage, make full use of them. I've come across this um, scenario a number of times the police have said to uh, people that I've dealt with in the past, clients, that if you're saying you're not guilty, why do you need a lawyer for? Why do you need a solicitor for? Having a solicitor represent you at the police station is not a presumption of guilt. Far from it. I've represented people in the past, doctors, dentists, other professionals that have not had any representation at the police station or had poor representation and they've ended up being charged and now they're in a crown court trial where things could go either way and they could end up losing their jobs, their liberty, their families, they can go to prison and everything 
like that. Everything bad can happen. Now, people have their own field. You may be an expert at filming. You may be an expert at medicine. I'm an expert at law. There are other experts in law. I'm not just saying use me when you get arrested or use my firm. But have someone represent you. That's what experts are for. So take full advantage of the experts. Mm-hmm, 100%, 100%. And another one. Out of curiosity, have you ever worked with any music artists? Don't have to say their name. Yeah, loads. Mm-hmm. Loads, quite a few, yeah. Um. So in court, does, does um, content for online, yeah, online generally, does that ever get used as evidence or is it used to... Uh, just draw an association with a certain group of people. It has it has been used in the past, uh, like the case I mentioned earlier about the conspiracy to murder, where my client got off out of nine people. In that case, they wanted to use that, so but we made application. They wanted to use the co-defendant. A co-defendant was a rapper, a known grime artist, so they wanted to use lyrics from his rap video, but we said no and we oppose the application it's called a bad character application we oppose the application on our client's behalf on my client's behalf because we said you can't paint him with the same brush as you're painting the others the others have convictions for violence they have convictions for drugs they have other convictions my client is a man of previous good character so them rap lyrics won't just harm them they will also harm us mm-hmm. and that was taken out on that occasion but there are occasions that it has gone in and if somebody's got a previous conviction for possessing a bladed article or possessing a knife and they're talking about in their videos about shanking people that's something that will go in Mm. and there's not much i can do about that Mm. so be careful lads do you think do you think it's fair do you think it's fair for the prosecution to put, to use rap lyrics and music videos as something to draw on, as a bad character reference. It is, but it's it's a tool that they can use. Now, if you were the prosecutor and you want to get somebody convicted and you know this will make your life easier, you'll do it as well. Mm, if I was a prosecutor, I would do it as well. I'm not saying I'm ever going to go into prosecution. never would do it. Not enough money in that. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, uh, it's a tool that they can use, so they use it. So they use that to their advantage, don't they? And just say now, it's not, they can't just pick you up now. If you go make a rap video, they can't come and knock your door and take you without having some other evidence with it as well. So if you get found with some drugs, just for example, uh, or if you get found with loads of money and then you've got loads of money in your rap video saying you're trapping or you're in the trap house or you're shanking people or you're robbing people, uh, you're taking their watches or whatnot. Sorry, boys. But if you're saying all of that and then you're getting charged with similar sort of offences, the prosecution are going to use it. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%, 100%. So, that, so to wrap up, any top tips you would just provide people? Maybe that three ideal tips to provide people that you'd like to give? Uh, are you talking about legal tips or are you talking about just life tips? I'll say... Free legal tips and maybe free legal and free tips for people just for life in general. For life in general. Mm. So, the legal tips would be uh, the first one would never lie to your lawyer. 
and don't insult his intelligence. Um, court, if you go to court and you're having a trial, be on time. Mm-hmm. Be on time. Courts don't like people who are not punctual. And uh, the third tip would be always have a solicitor represent you at the police station. It can make a huge difference to your life. Okay. And those three life tips? Three life tips would be put God first. No matter what you do, you put God first. Don't live your life to impress others. Because the truth is, everybody's going to die in the end. Facts. The third tip is, make your parents proud. Your parents have done so much to bring you up. Don't waste your life and don't um, don't dishearten your parents. Don't let them down. You can let your friends down. You can let everybody else down, but do not let your parents down. If you follow those tips, trust me, you're going to get far. The truth is the recipe is the same for everyone. Why does the sauce come out different? Because people think motivation will take in places. No, motivation is not going to get you out of bed every morning at 5 a.m. and go for your runs. Dedication and commitment is what you need along with motivation. And you'll get there in the end. Mm-hmm. So that's Ahmed Yacoub. So thank you for coming all the way thank down. Thank you for man. having me, brother. Thank you for having me. Come on, man. Come on. Wow. Nice one.